On today's Locked On Leafs, we continue with part two of our reactions to the Athletics Leafs fan survey. What to do with the core four? Which UFAs should be prioritized? All that more coming up on the Locked On Leafs podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the May 19th edition of the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me, it's my co-host, Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. Locked On Leafs is a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free. Wherever you get your podcast from, also catch us up on video. We're on YouTube, Locked On Leaves. Hit subscribe. Hit the little notification bell as well. we got new content coming out to you guys each and every weekday morning. So make sure that you're subscribed. we got, uh, you know, full year-long Leafs coverage. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to the birddogs.com slash LockedOnNHL website. And when you use the code, the promo code LockedOnNHL, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with your order. All right, Dave. We uh, On yesterday's show, we were kind of going through um, the Leafs fan survey. And we answered a whole bunch of questions, obviously talking about the future of the coach, the general manager, our overall uh, thoughts on, you know, what went wrong in the playoffs this year. Uh, Now the next part of this survey kind of gets into the team and the future. So I think it'll be really interesting to get into all that. So why don't we start things off and get right into it, buddy? Um I think that uh, if we take a look at the first question here, it's a pretty big, bold one, which, I mean, we're going to talk about the core four and what this team should do moving forward, probably for the next while, because there's so many different conversations to have with it. Um, But the question that was posed in the athletic survey was flat out, should the lease break up the core four with a trade? And I don't know if this is actually, this is kind of surprising. Only 73.7% said yes. I was expecting that to be higher, Dave. I'll be honest. I thought it'd be closer to 86, 87%. Yeah, I mean, the tough part here is they they when people say break up the core four, I'm wondering, like, do they not realize that just by trading one of them, you're breaking up, like, that's breaking up the core four. Like, uh, Yeah, it could have been a little bit of miscommunication. Well, it's just, I think it's just also like, I mean, that's like, if you read that properly, it's with a trade, not blow it up. It's not a blow it up type of question. Right. And I, and I think it's, it just goes to show that there is still a, uh, a semblance of this fan base that have a lot of faith in this group of players being able to get the job done, which I don't know. Like, I don't know how many times you can, you can say, all right, we can, uh, we can run this back again and we think we have a really good chance. We have belief in this group when we heard that many times before, but on not only on top of running it back again as a group, but also realizing there's a time clock with everything with this loss. 
the last I would three last week, pretty much since Monday, we've been hearing about not just breaking up the core four, but also realizing there are some big decisions that are going to be coming for a few of these guys. William Nylander and Austin Matthews in particular because they are closer to free agency out of the core four. And that right there, you don't want to get yourself into a situation like like Calgary did where you're like, oh, Matthew Kachuk doesn't want to stay here. Now we got to trade him and hope we can get something back for him. And look, they did their best, but you don't want to put yourself in a situation where, you know what, we're going to keep this together, keep this together. And now, oh, we didn't get much out of this group in terms of value with guys, you know, potentially leaving, you know, for their next destination as well. Uh, and the next question that was asked that it was more of a, uh, a follow-up, I guess, to the, should the Leafs break up the core four with a trade is, uh, well, if the Leafs were to trade one of their core four forwards, who doesn't have a no movement clause for July one, who should it be? The, uh, the options were Mitch Marner, William Nylander, Austin Matthews, or don't trade any of them. Obviously the, this is referring to people who do not have no movement clauses, which is why John Tavares was not on this list. But trust me, we'll get to John Tavares in a moment. Um, but Mitch Marner was the number one guy who uh, Leaf fans would want to ask to move um, to, to, to trade, I suppose, at 55.1%, 23% said don't trade any of them, 16% said William Nylander, and uh, only 5.5% said Austin Matthews. So it looks like Leafs Nation has spoken, and they believe that of the core four players or of the three guys who are up for uh, you know protection starting July 1st of Marner, Matthews, and Nylander, that Mitch Marner should be the guy to go. Do you agree with that, uh, with that decision? Wholeheartedly. And the reason, the two reasons I believe so, one is Marner is under contract longer. So if you're, I understand his deal doesn't represent the best of cap hits, and that's going to be a tough trade to swing. You got two seasons. Any team that's trading for him has a guaranteed two seasons of Mitch Marner and a guaranteed in that he has a no movement clause. So he, you can't trade him once, once those, no, unless those, unless he weighs the no movement clause after the fact. But um, there, that's one thing. And, I guarantee there are some teams that they feel that if they get Mitch Marner out of Toronto, he might actually thrive, right? There are players who, once they get traded by Toronto, we have seen it numerous times before, have come to say, come to find new life with the new team, right? And with Mitch Marner, he had a 99-point season. He is up for the Selkie, one of the final three for the Selkie. There, you know, I think his, I think a lot of, um, a lot of teams will value that. Um, I didn't get a chance to look at the structure of his contract because while everyone's talking about how he's getting, you know, $10.9 million, that's just the cap hit. The actual dollars are, I think, what are more important when you look at dollars in and dollars out. So I'm actually looking at it right now. Total salary is just about eight. Is a is sixteen point five million dollars over the next two years. So eight million dollars a season for Mitch Marner. Eight, like Mitch Marner, probably a little bit close, you know, closer to that number. 
Actually, I think he's a little bit better than an $8 million player. He's a roughly around a $9 million player, in my opinion. Then he is a $10.9 million cap hit player. And that's the problem right there is because we look at the cap hit and not the money being owed. That's what a lot of teams are going to look at here um, when they're if they're going to look at doing a Mitch Marner trade. Yeah, the the one thing though is if if they look to trade him before July first, a big chunk of that money is going to come off the books right away that they're going to have to pay seven point two five million dollars signing bonus um, due on July first. So whoever's trading for him is is uh, they're going to have themselves quite the uh, quite the check that they're going to have to write within a couple of days of bringing that guy in there. Uh, but I'm with you. I, I I also agree that Mitch Marner. I think if one of them were to go, probably would would try and move Mitch, um, and and try and you know keep at it with William Nylander and and Austin Matthews and, um, yeah, I, I you know we'll we'll get into this so much more over the next couple of weeks here, but I I think I'm with the uh, with the majority here where Mitch Marner would would be one of the core forwards that I, I think I would look to to move as well. Um, if we keep scrolling down here. There was uh, no mention of John Tavares, obviously, in that, you know, in that one. But here's where you get to the John Tavares question. And it is an interesting conversation to have here, Dave. If you were the Maple Leafs management, would you have the uncomfortable conversation with John Tavares and ask him to waive his no-move clause? The uh, possible answers were yes, even if it means he declines and the relationship is damaged, or no, he is the Leafs captain. Um, 63.5% said yes, even if he declines and the relationship is damaged. 63.5% of people are correct here, David. Um, I think you have to have the tough and difficult conversation this year. I, I really, really do. I know a lot of people hate, you know, when players get asked to waive their no moves and, you know, people who are, are player friendly, like former players, they look at that and they say, hey, he earns his right to not be moved. So I'm not even going to ask him. I know that Brian Burke used to operate in that manner. If you had a no trade or no move, you earned it. Therefore, you can keep it. And he was never asking people to waive. But look, the Leafs are in a different situation. And unfortunately, John Tavares can no longer provide anywhere near the uh, the the value that his contract and his cap hit in particular um, has right now for this team at 11 million bucks. He just can't. Uh, so I think that you would have to have the uncomfortable conversation and ask him. I'm just not really too sure if he has any interest in, uh, in waving it though, but Hey, doesn't hurt to ask in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? It doesn't hurt to ask, but you know exactly what that answer is going to be. Unfortunately, he's like, I don't see John Tavares wanting to like, there's a reason why he probably pushed to get that no movement clause in that contract because he w- he wanted to show his commitment. He re- he is committed, and you know what? He's a free agent. He had that right to ask for the no movement clause, so he doesn't. Ha- he has every right to say no. Like the con- you know, it's like if if they feel like not asking, like they don't want to ask a question because they want to hurt the relationship or they want an uncomfortable situation. It's already an uncomfortable situation. Like he didn't perform as an eleven million dollar player in the playoffs. Like that's. Like he puts the team in a bit of an uncomfortable position when he doesn't have the production that he's being paid for, right? So, like, it's already an uncomfortable situation. You're in Toronto. There's always going to be uncomfortable 
conversation to be had because I guarantee he's probably heard about a lot of us saying that he hasn't performed to the level expected of him. So I don't think that there's an uncomfortable, like you should, you should ask him. And if he says no, okay, we just wanted to get that out there, you know, and, and leave it at that. I understand it'd probably be a little awkward and uncomfortable to say, okay, well now you want to trade me. Well, guess what? We haven't really gone to the point we need to. We need to make some changes, and we want to see what options are available to us. Uh, John Tavares had how many points this season, Dave? Like 83 or something like that. Somewhere in that realm. Um, Only 37 of them came at 5-on-5. Only 37 came at 5-on-5. One more than Michael Bunting who makes $950,000 like that. That's what we're kind of talking about here. He only had 16 goals at five on five this year. Most of his production comes on the power play. And I just feel like that's way too much money to spend on what I guess you could consider a power play specialist. I, I think that he, he, I don't see them moving on from him and I don't see him saying yes to that no move clause being waived. But ultimately, uh, it'd be a nice, it'd be nice if it did happen. If that contract was no longer on the books, that's that's all I'll say, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, before we continue, though, Dave, why don't we uh, quickly tell the good folks listening to the show about our latest and newest show sponsor? We love them. It's Bird Dogs. Yep, we got that order in, Mike. I'm sure you got the, uh, your order from Bird Dogs. I did. Now we can look good, feel good, and have a little bit of versatility in our life with uh, Bird Dogs. They are the clothing of the summer. Their stretchy fabric make even my legs look great, and they're Dude, comfier. You can literally squat in these bad boys. I was squatting in them. I was like, all right, how stretchy are these things? How comfortable are they? Just doing squats and shorts. It was awesome. And like, and these aren't your typical like athletic shorts. These are they. They're not only they only feel good, but they make they actually look like shorts you can wear at the golf course. If you got to you know, if you want to hang out with some friends and you just want to throw on a pair of bird dogs, they are perfect for a night out in the summertime. So make sure you go out and try to get yourself a pair of bird dogs. And if you go to birddogs.com/slash locked on NHL, can enter the promo code locked on NHL, and they'll throw in. A free custom bird dogs yeti style tumbler with every order what great value so go to birddogs.com slash locked on nhl and enter the promo code locked on nhl to get that offer for the summer welcome back into the locked on these podcasts i'm mike DeStefano. i've got dave morasuti with me thank you so much if you are an every dayer of this pod you know who you are uh, thank you so much. We really appreciate all the support that you guys get for coming back and listening to us each and every day. If you're new to the show, we also appreciate you and hope you become an everyday. If you enjoy the content that you've been listening to so far today, well, we got a whole bunch more of it to come throughout the course of the off season. Every Monday through Friday, we're putting out new content, new shows, and there's a lot that's going to be happening over the next six weeks leading up to, to July 1st. And then, hey, we still got stuff throughout the off season. It's a 365 type of podcast, so make sure that you are subscribed to us here at Locked on Leafs. All right, Dave, let's continue our look at the Athletics Leafs fan survey results. Uh, if we go to 
the next section here, um, I believe this one is about the unrestricted free agent class. So the Maple Leafs have what did you, you are correct? There we go. Uh, the Maple Leafs have 10 UFAs that they have to deal with between now and July 1st. So it'd be really nice if Kyle Dubas would give the Maple Leafs their answers so that, uh, you know, they can start signing people or re-signing people or having preliminary discussions, you know, all that good stuff. Um, of the list of free agents that were available um, to re-sign here in Toronto as UFAs, Ryan O'Reilly unsurprisingly came in as the top priority for Leaf fans at 42.2%. Luke Shen coming in at second at 23.9%. Achari at 19.8%. And David Camp at 6.2%. None of the above coming in at 4.5%. I, I don't think Ryan O'Reilly's coming back, man. I, I'll be completely honest with you. It didn't sound like he was overly, uh, you know, excited about the possibility of remaining a Toronto Maple Leaf. Um, Luke Shen, that's a guy who I'd be prioritizing. That, to me, would have been my selection and my first choice. The way that he really partnered up with Morgan Riley and allowed Mo to play his best hockey. And, and Luke was playing some fantastic hockey as well. I think Luke Shen probably would be the UFA that I, I hope Toronto um, brings back and and you know, finds a way to, to get him back into the full tier as the, uh, the the top priority among Leafs UFAs. Yeah, I know. And and he was actually mine as well because I do not think Ryan O'Reilly is going to come back for two reasons. One, I think he's going to look to – this is probably one of his last chances to get a pretty decent deal as a UFA. Um, he, I know he liked playing in Toronto, but he also, again, like – he didn't seem overly committed. He he'll look into it if Toronto wants to throw me an offer that I like. But I just think when you look at the free agent market, um, Ryan O'Reilly is probably. I mean, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here and say he is the best center available <laughs> on the market. So teams looking to pony up for a decent uh, center, Ryan O'Reilly is going to be the guy, and I don't think the Leafs are going to be able to comp- compete with those offers. So that's why I think. Go, go back to he'll probably just go back to St. Louis though. <laughs> like, go yeah, that's the other thing. He didn't want to leave St. Louis, and I guarantee St. Louis just said, "We'll just sign you back." You know, next se- like for we'll sign you in the off season. Like, I, like that was probably a conversation that was had. Um, and also you brought up the good point. Like Luke Shen fills, I think, even a bigger need because the right side, the only guy you got signed technically is Timothy Lilligren. Now, TJ Brody plays the right side, so he's back. Timmons, don't forget about Connor Timmons. Yep, Connor Timmons is here. But, I like, are you going to prioritize Luke Shen? Or are you going to prioritize Justin Hall? I think it's a pretty simple and easy uh, easy answer here that I'm probably leaning towards going for Luke Shen. I just think he's exactly the type of player this team needs. You know, he stepped into a role that we didn't expect him to step into. And he did it quite well. And he wants to be, and I think he would like to stay. That's the other thing too. Yeah. Would he like to go back to Vancouver? I think maybe just because he likes being out West, but I think this is his, this is where he wants to stay. He made it, he made it seem like he really liked the fact that he was back in Toronto after all these years. What type of contract do you see that being though? 
I think the the one thing you can try to do is give him two years. Maybe uh, in terms of a number itself, I'm just, I don't even know what he was at. I think it was at league minimum. He was like eight fifty somewhere in in that range for sure. I think he overproduced, yeah. overperformed. But like, do you 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 don't view him as like a geo candidate where it's like just give me league man. Like, you probably might have to pay him a little bit, like one two five for two yeah, years. Yeah, and I'll be fine with that because he plays on the penalty kill. He played some very tough minutes in the defensive zone. You saw the chemistry he had with Morgan Riley. And that was very important. I understand the Leafs have an abundance of defensemen signed for next year, but again, they don't have that Luke Shen style, the guy that's going to have a little bit of that sandpaper, going to fight for fight for his teammates, be a good guy in the locker room too. So yeah, if it's a one point two five, the Leafs can. I think the Leafs can definitely stomach that um, if they make some other moves, obviously. And it, then that in that regard, it would make other decisions. You, then you could prioritize other decisions that need to be made up front. Cause I think that's where most of the work is going to have to come. Are you surprised that Michael Bunting didn't get a little more love? He came in at 2.8%. I probably would have put Bunting ahead of, you know, camp. None of the above. Maybe, uh, yeah. probably also maybe Nola Chari, like Michael Bunting's played on this top. He's been a top line forward for, for two years now with this team. I'm yeah, I just he was so low. I just think his reputation that we talk about the reputation he had with with the refs got soured. I think his reputation with Leafs fans also got a little bit sour because he was another guy who kind of lost his production in the you know in the late stages. Like ever since what March, he really struggled to to put up offense. And look, I like Michael Bunting. I think he gives you something different up front, um, but. And I listened to um, the Steve Dangle podcast with Chris Johnston, and he was a resounding. He does not expect Michael Bunting to come back because, just like I just said with Ryan O'Reilly, Michael Bunting will be a sought after free agent this year. And I, I just think maybe before he made it known that he would have liked to come back, but he also said he hasn't had a single talk about a contract no. with this team. And I don't know if the Leafs. I think what the Leafs want to do is they want to start going with some of their younger options and ones that might have more offensive upside, a little more speed to them, maybe better defensive ability as well. I think Matthew Nyes' emergence also showed Michael Bunting is a luxury to if you want to keep around for the number he's probably going to want in free agency. And Dubas did also mention... Nick Robertson, who's waiting in the wings. If he can stay healthy, maybe, yeah. maybe Nick Robertson can finally break through and be a player for uh, for this team. But Bobby McMahon's another name who mm-hmm. might be able to to do something. And look, if if they're not signing all these players, and there there will be some cap space to potentially make a signing as well and bring somebody in. So I think it'll be interesting to see how this all unfolds for Toronto. Speaking of bringing someone else to sign in, uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I believe the next question has to do with, you guessed it, who should the Maple Leafs go after in free agency? So we'll get to that on the other side. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morsuti. Listen to Locked On Leafs Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 
Welcome back into the Locked On at Least podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano. Got my main man, Dave Morsuti, here with me. We are continuing to look through the results of the Athletics Maple Leafs fan survey. We've gone through a lot of it. There's a couple more things that we got to get to here. So why don't we uh, start this bad boy up once again here, Dave, and get to the next question because, you know, after we talked about the pending UFAs, well, the free agents are also out there. And uh, Leaf Station was asked, which of the following free agents should Leafs management pursue in the offseason? They were given a massive list of big-time free agent names that will be out there this summer. And for whatever reason, Leafs Nation, not a big fan of this year's free agent class. None of the above was chosen. Here's guys out here like Alex Dabrinkit, Jonathan Taze, John Klinger. You got Patty Kane out here that got no love. Everyone's saying none of the above. None of them. They don't want none of them. Are you surprised by this, Dave? No Matt Dumba. They need defensemen. Big right-hand defensemen. Matt Dumba? No. Get get Matt Dumba out of the conversation. No. Like he's not even in my in my rear in my radar. Really? How is Tyler Bertuzzi not on this list? Yeah, that's actually surprising that he's not here because he would be at the top of my list, and Debrinket's an RFA, so I'm not even sure why yeah, he's. I don't know why Debrink. Like, I'm sorry, like Alex Debrinket, he's not gonna come to Toronto. Like, I even even if Ottawa is not able to get that sorted out, they ain't moving him to Toronto. That's that's just not gonna happen. But like Tyler Bertuzzi is my top pick because he'd be perfect for like that middle six, mo- like second line left winger spot. Out of all, like, I, now, I will say, and I read um, Dom's uh, report on the athletic of, like, his top free agents, and Tyler Bertuzzi was among them. There are some defensive issues you're going to have to work with with Tyler Bertuzzi, but he was really good for Boston in the playoffs. Like, you talk about guys that produced in the playoffs. He was one of those guys, and yep. I, I feel like he'd be perfect on the Leafs' second line, left wing, is a spot that the Leafs really, really needs to, need to work on this offseason. I think he would be the perfect target. So I don't know how he didn't get any love. Now, I can understand Jonathan Taze because the Leafs do need some help down the middle for some depth. I'd take a Taze as a fourth-line center. A little flyer yeah. on Johnny Taze. I'd take a I think Jonathan Taze, he's not gonna, he just struck it rich with his last deal. I think he was looking to cement his legacy and try to get another stand, make, make another run at a Stanley cup. I think, you know, he, will have his, obviously his pick of the litter as a, you know, and I think he's, he's a guy that has stepped up in big moments. Um, even when he was in Chicago was in their kind of final years as contenders. Like it was, it's the Jonathan Taves show. I, I would like to see the Leafs consider that if Taves, if that's the role that Taves is willing to take. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I'm still kind of blown away that none of the above had such a large chunk of the uh, I, such a large chunk. Either none of the above or a couple defensemen. They they don't need the Leaf fans know that forward help is isn't what's needed for this team. I guess it's defensemen or or, or yeah, nothing. At least didn't struggle to score at all in the second round. Yeah, well, exactly. But uh, let's move on here. Um, get to the next question here. We got to zip along. As we try and finish this bad boy up, just a couple more left. Which of the Leafs secondary pieces would you like to see traded to improve the roster? Uh, Callie Arncroft, TJ Brody, J- 
Jake McCabe, or none of the above. Uh, it's pieces of the core that need to be moved. And none of the above, it's piece of the core that needs to be moved, comes in up at uh, number one. 53% of the voters say that it's the core that needs to go. Don't trade Callie Yarncroc. Don't trade TJ Brody. And don't trade Jake McCabe, they say. Um, I'll be honest with like Yarncroc, I could see him being a player, but like, yeah, it's it is one of the core guys. What I'm surprised by is there's been some some conversations that I've seen where a lot of people want to get rid of TJ Brody because he had a down season with <laughs> with injuries and obviously wasn't uh, terrific in the postseason. Are you ready to write off TJ Brody here after one bad year? Like, do you think he's on the downside or do you think injuries maybe just have been uh, plaguing him all year and he'll be, he'll be good to go and a lot better next season. I mean, you can't help not be a little bit concerned because he, he had his struggles. Um, but at the same time, I feel like they just threw him in so many different situations with so many different players that it, it's a little bit of a, it was there, you know, TJ Brody takes up, shoulders a lot of the load for this team. So I like to give him another shot to try to see if he can. I mean, this is also B is I think his last shot. So it's not like the Leafs are keeping him around forever. I think what are you going to do better than TJ Brody? That's the real question you have to ask yourself. Like the Leafs don't have a defenseman in the system. They're going to replace, that's going to replace TJ Brody. Um, If you can trade him for someone a little bit more mobile. Sure. But I don't know many teams are going to be trading a de- mobile defenseman and say, yep, yeah, we'll definitely take TJ Brody off your hands. I think there's value in TJ Brody as a defenseman. He's, you know, dependable top four guy. I didn't expect him to be as good as he was when the Leafs signed him. Um, and I think he ha- he should be given a chance to bounce back. But as Kyle Duba said, all options are on the table. If a team gives you an offer you can't refuse for TJ Brody, consider it like I, I i i'm not i'm not i'm not gonna be definite in saying he definitely has to say don't look don't look to trade him but i'm also not like he was a, he was the problem here either yeah i think that's a fair uh a fair take to have on tj brody i'll say this too before we close on this one i i am surprised that actually a, a decently high chunk jake mccabe got 12 percent making 2 million bucks next year. I think Jake McCabe is, is pretty good. Well, I know that, you know, the second round did not go well for Jake McCabe and maybe it was just recency bias, but for him at 2 million bucks, I, I think is, is quite good value for, uh, for, for the Maple Leafs next season. All right, moving on to the next one, uh, which is, this is a spicy one, Dave, a spicy one. Matt Murray had an injury plague season. What should the Leafs do with him next season? Buy him out, explore trade, and attach a high draft pick. LTIR for the season. Play him as part of a tandem. He's a Stanley Cup winning goaltender. I mean, here's the problem with this, Dave. LTIR should, I guess, be the number one because then you don't owe him anything next year. Like for, for the buyout, it would cost. Uh, it's considerable savings in the first season because they only actually have 687000 against the cap. So you open up like $4 bucks or something close to it. Uh, but then the following year is a $2 million cap hit of dead money. 
um, because you're buying him out in his last year of the contract. So there's kind of that, which is a bit of a hindrance. That comes in at 21%. Exploring a trade to attach a draft pick and prospect is the third option coming in at 19%. Um, play him only gets 5%. The number one was LTIR for the season at 53.8. The problem there, Dave, is, I mean, doesn't Matt Murray have a say in whether or not uh, that LTIR situation uh, comes to, to fruition here? Like, Unless you can do a Robert Leonard situation where, oh, Matt Murray's got a hip injury and he's going to need a surgery and he's out for the year. Like I under, I don't understand where people just assume that every player is going to be okay with sitting out for the year. Like they definitely have a say in this, like Robin Leonard probably needed the year off after everything he went through in Vegas. Matt Murray probably also needs the year off considering how the last few years have gone for him, but he's also, he was also healthy and ready to go in the playoffs. So all of a sudden you go from, he was healthy and ready to play to, ah, you know what? We just didn't catch this one thing he had and he's done for the whole season. Like it's the Leafs. We know that they even tried to do that. There's going to be, you know, the NHL is going to go full throttle into an investigation, all those things. Like I, I, if I'm the Leafs, Look, the buyout is not the is not great because you don't want to have to have a two million dollar cap hit, but it's better than the four point was a four point eight million dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd rather deal with that. Deal with like obviously I wouldn't have to deal with any cap hit. If you can find a trade that works, that should be a should have been number that should have been the number two probably or number one in my opinion. Number two should have been the buyout. The number. Three hey, for rank, 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 rank them for me how okay. you would have it. Explore a Mrazic like trade. That's number one. Okay. Buy him out would be number two. I mean, I can't even, I, I guess I'll put LTR hours three because I just don't see how you can get him as part of a tandem when you have Samsonov and Joseph Wool all in the fold also next season. Yeah. Right. Like you, there's there's just no way you are trusting Matt Murray. Like I try my best to give Matt Murray the benefit of the doubt. You know, I had sympathy for him because his last injury was a concussion that wasn't his fault. But it's everything else in between, and I hate that I'm going to meet my words because you can't depend on the guy. And what and the best thing and the and the best ability for a goalie is their availability. And I just you you got Joseph Wall and Neely Samsonov, who are probably going to come in pretty at a pretty decent price. Like I think the good thing for the Leafs right now when they're going into that contract negotiation with Samsonov is that we also have Joseph Wall here that we're going to give a lot of starts to. You're not the undisputed number one going into next year. Yeah, he hasn't proven that he can no. be a 60 game starter. Exactly. Walk of the load and and you know command six seven million. He's still exactly. going to be probably in that three and a half to, to four and a half, five, depending on, I guess, term. Exactly. I so if, if I'm the Leafs, you just try to get rid of the Matt Murray. There is going to be a team that will take on the deal. If someone's able to take Morazic's terrible contract, boat anchor of a contract, somebody will take Matt Murray and you just say, you know what? Half the time you can put the guy on LTIR and you don't even have to worry about it. They can be the one to LTIR them if they need to. 
yeah, that that would be uh, that, that would be a godsend, I guess, whoever brings him out. I, here's why I think it's more difficult though to to get a trade done with Peter Murray or with Matt Murray. Um, his contract next year is way more in salary than it is in cap space. So, you know, it's it's a six point two five million dollar cap hit. Twenty five percent of that's being retained by Ottawa. Um, but the actual dollars, and it's all salary, which means there's no signing bonus for, you know, to wait until July 1 and then try and make this trade. It's all salary, which would be have to be paid in full by the team acquiring. His salary is $8 million next season. $8 million. Do you know how much of a, like, what type of draft pick or prospect you'd have to attach for a team to look at, at Matt Murray and say, yeah, I'll pay that guy's 6 million bucks, like $6 million. Do you remember the last time the Maple Leafs had to get $6 million off their books and what it costs for them to do so? No, don't, don't remind me. Cause it's being reminded every time this guy scores for the Carolina hurricanes right now. That's right. And he did actually tonight score for the Carolina hurricanes. It's Seth Jarvis. It cost the Maple Leafs a first round pick, which turned out to be, what was it? 13th overall or something like that. Yeah, so like it was a top 15 pick. It cost them to move that off the book. So, you know, the Leafs do have a first-round pick. It's Boston's first-round pick. I believe it's right now it's 28th overall. I think it's locked in at that. You know, are you willing to trade that draft pick to get rid of Matt Murray? Perhaps. But for me, the buyout makes more sense than attaching a first-round pick because it's only 687000 against the cap this season and then it's two million the following season but dave the following season we're expected to see a massive jump in cap space so i don't think it'll be that uh you know as brutal as it seems because we're expected to see the cap go up by like you know five to seven million in a couple of years anyway so you know i i i would say if LTAR is not a legitimate option, I mean, if it is, clearly take advantage. Yeah. But if, if it's between trading them or buying them out, for me, I think the buyout makes the most sense. And, you know, that allows you to to draft a, a good young prospect um, as well. So f- for me, I would say buyout actually would be um, would be my number one answer. And then if you don't want to do that, then you explore. I mean, if someone wants to do the same deal as, as – Fraser Minton or, or the Chicago Blackhawks did from Razik, where all they actually did was slide back like eight spots in the draft. Sure, 100% I'll do that to slide back eight spots. But if you're giving up a first round pick and getting nothing in return, uh, that's where I would probably go to the buyout as as the uh, uh, what I would do there. All right. Um, speaking of the draft pick that I just referenced, I think the next one is is you know your confidence level in Samsonov and Joseph Wall. We kind of touched on that as we were talking about Matt Murray. Um, really quickly, do you want to give uh, a scale one to five the confidence you would have in a Samsonov Wall duo next year, a, a tandem? I'm I'm like three, three out of five. Yeah, I might go four. I think I'm with. I think I'm with the majority here. Fifty five percent are are about a four out of five. I I think that Samsonov played well. Joseph Wall, when he was in there, he played really well. So I, I'll I'll give it a four of a five. I I think three and a half would be the more correct answer, I guess. But 
I'll say four. All right, let's get to the final one here so we can wrap things up because, you know, we were talking about that draft pick that uh, the Maple Leafs do have. It's number 28. It's Boston's pick in the draft. And uh, the athletic ass Leaf fans, what should the Leafs do with their first round pick, number 28 in the 2023 draft? 60% said keep it. The Leafs are going to need a decent prospect coming in uh, the next few seasons, and 39% say trade it. The window to win is still open. Dave, where do you sit? Should the Leafs stick and pick, or are you with the minority here and think, hey, if you can improve your club and use this first-round pick to do so, the teams that win now don't be married to that first-round pick. Where do you sit? I think I think they should keep the pick. Um, I, I think they just need to find ways to add younger talent because, and, and look, I actually don't hate the answers. Like when they say, keep it, the Leafs are going to need a decent prospect coming up in the next few seasons. That's going to be true because you're going to have to be able to replenish internally your, your prospect ca- uh, cabinet. And the Leafs just have really struggled to draft later on in the later rounds to find those impact NHLers in those rounds. Like if the Leafs had the ability to draft very well in the fourth, the third, fourth and fifth rounds, just to even get players that can be NHL contributors, then I can say even trade that first round pick for picks later in the draft, which they might actually end up uh, happening there. Um, But I, I just think that, They've traded this first round pick too many times in the past, and they they're kind of suffering a little bit for it because they haven't had those players come up late in the later rounds to really like even like Nick Robertson hasn't really come up and been an everyday NHLer for them. Matthew Nyes, if he's an everyday NHLer, that's the one kind of success story you have right now, and that to me just says you need to give yourself every opportunity to keep adding young talent because that's how some of these teams are able to, you know, be competitive year after year as they got these young guys stepping up for them. And the Leafs just haven't had that right now. We're going to differ on this one as well, Dave. <laughs> I, I think um, I agree that the window to win is, is now it's, it's now and it's open. And I think if you can make your team better to try and win a Stanley cup, I think you, you do it, you know, uh, they're, they're already so far into this process and into this, you know, journey. I think what, like ultimately what's another first round pick. And, you know, I care, I think it was uh, Julian Brisebois who talked about, you know, the, the lack of first round picks that he has. And he said to himself, look, we've done the numbers. A late one is basically a second round pick, which is like a 14% chance of that player ever getting to a hundred games in his career. You know, like that, that's what we're talking about here. A 14% chance that that player plays 100 games for your franchise. If that's the case and those are the odds, I'll take a guy who can win me games right now and help this team get over the hump and win a championship. I think it would be well worth it if they have the right deal in place. I'm not talking about trading it away for, you know, like a third-line winger, but if it's the right deal that will help this team, a top four defenseman perhaps, or, so, you know, you package it with something else to go out and get a really, really solid top four guy, top pair. I think you, you, you pull the trigger and you get it done. I, I would not want to be married to this first round pick. I, I just simply would not, uh, would not be. But, hey, 
you know, we'll see what happens in a few weeks. We'll see who has to make the decision. Because they, you know, it's not Kyle Dubas right now. Maybe it will be. We don't know who the heck it's going to be. We still got to wait to find out who wants to be the general manager of this hockey club. Kyle Dubas right now, uh, still waiting to hear what he's got to say. And we're all waiting because there's a lot of things that need to happen. Talk about 10 unrestricted free agents that the Maple Leafs have. Ilya Samsonov is an RFA. You've got Matthews, Marner, and Nylander, all with um, upcoming trade protection uh, about to get kicked into their contracts come July 1st. And, oh, yeah, Matthews is also able to extend come July 1st, as is William Nylander. And they need a coach, potentially, as well, or at least they need to figure out what they want to do with the coach. A lot that still needs to be figured out, and it all starts with the man himself, Kyle Dubas, and whether or not he wants to continue to be the general manager. Hopefully we get that answer over the course of the weekend, Dave, and uh, we can start you know, moving on to the next, the, the next thing here and, and try and figure out what to do with the roster itself once they get uh, a captain for their ship. All right, buddy. Good stuff. It was a lot of fun uh, doing that, uh, you know, looking at that athletic fan survey and just kind of talking about it. We'll go in into detail on a lot of these subjects. We kind of were touching and scratching the surface on some of this stuff. We'll be going into detail over the course of the next six weeks as, you know, there, there's potential for some some big waves to be made here in Leafs Nation. Uh, that'll do it for us here on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked on Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore. More Sudi. Follow the show as well at Locked on Leafs. We'll be back with another episode for you guys on Tuesday because Monday's a holiday. So we'll be back on Tuesday with another episode for you guys. Hopefully we have some answers as well as to what the future holds for old Kyle Dubas. But until then, enjoy the long weekend and keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.